When I go to buy household products like toys or carpets, I expect that someone somewhere, probably in government, made sure they were safe and free of toxins. But the truth is, it's a little closer to how Donald Rumsfeld put it in a news briefing about weapons of mass destruction. There are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. When it comes to chemicals, it's sort of the same thing. There's a lot of known unknowns. We know that there are over 84,000 industrial chemicals used commercially in the United States. Not known? The full extent of their health impacts. Only nine dangerous chemicals have been studied enough to be banned or restricted by the EPA. The rest of them, they're in daily use, in personal care products, in pharmaceuticals, household items, and of course, in industrial applications. And because there was no requirement to prove their safety before putting them on the market, potentially toxic chemicals are getting into our air and water. Some of those chemicals are coming under increased scrutiny. One such group is perfluorinated chemicals, or PFCs. PFCs are often used to make water and stain resistant clothes or nonstick cookware. You might know these chemicals by their brand names like Teflon, Scotchgard, and Stainmaster. One type of PFC called PFOA has been in the news because it was found in private wells and municipal water systems in Vermont, New Hampshire, and New York. That contamination was linked to plastics manufacturing. PFOA is also called C8. It's an example of a chemical that was put into use before health impacts came to light. In 2006, major manufacturers agreed to phase it out, but PFOA is extremely persistent, meaning it will take eons to break down. So generations to come are going to be dealing with the consequences. What kind of consequences? Ask the residents of the Ohio River Valley. DuPont used uh, PFOA to help uh, polymerize Teflon and um, released uh, PFOA into um, the river and the air. Uh, during a large number of years from the kind of early 1950s through uh, the early 2000s. That's Professor Kyle Steenland. And I'm a professor in environmental health at uh, Emory University. The PFOA from the DuPont factory spilled into the Ohio River. And the water of the Ohio River, it entered the groundwater, uh, which was used for public drinking water in the surrounding area. The DuPont Corporation is facing more than 3,000 lawsuits from residents who allege that the contamination made them sick. In one large class action in 2005, they reached a settlement agreement that included creating a science panel of which Professor Steenland was a member to assess whether or not there was a probable link between C8 exposure and human disease. Yeah, and our, our best judgment was that six diseases are associated with PFOA exposure. Diseases like kidney cancer, testicular cancer, thyroid disease, ulcerative colitis, pregnancy-induced hypertension. So are we less at risk from PFCs if we don't live near a chemical or plastics plant? We really can't avoid being exposed to these chemicals. The bearer of that sad message is Robin Vestergren of Stockholm University. I've been uh, doing research to, to understand how humans are exposed to PFOA and PFOS. PFOS is another long-chain PFC. It's similar to PFOA in that it persists indefinitely in the environment. One thing we have to realize about these compounds is that they are indeed ubiquitous. Wherever Robin and his team sample for PFOA or PFOS, they find them. 
As a matter of fact, they're having a hard time not finding them and getting a pure sample. You know, we find them in, in seawater from, uh, from the Arctic. So you can go in the middle of the ocean and actually get a reading for PFOA? Certainly. Uh, we find them in very high concentrations in polar bears. How did they get into polar bears? PFOA or PFOS, they are fairly water-soluble. So once they come into water, they will basically just spread. So these synthetic chemicals get into water, maybe a local creek or stream, and because they don't degrade, they ultimately find their way to the ocean, where currents sweep them up to the Arctic and they can easily enter the food chain through fish and eventually become a polar bear snack. And they're on our dinner plates too. PFCs are found in soil, air, and groundwater, so they're easily taken up by crops. So when it comes to food, you, there's really no recommendation for something that you should avoid. You will still find these chemicals in the food from your grocery store. The upshot? Between exposure to PFCs in our food and household products, CDC data show that pretty much anyone who breathes air and drinks water has PFOA in their bloodstream, albeit in minute quantities. So what's being done about this? Industry's answer is new chemistry. PFOA and PFOS are called long-chain PFCs because they have eight strong carbon-fluorine bonds. It's those strong links that make the compounds so slow to break down. So when companies agreed to voluntarily phase out PFOA and PFOS, they replace them with shorter chain versions, but not without controversy. Their argument for the short-chain compounds is primarily that the short-chain compounds, unlike the long-chain compounds, are not bioaccumulative. Bioaccumulation is when a substance, like a toxic chemical, builds up in the tissues of a living organism faster than it can dispose of it, similar to what's happening with mercury in fish. But even if shorter-chain compounds are less bioaccumulative, they're still persistent. Yeah, they're persistent, uh, equally persistent. But the, the levels in the human body or in uh, fish or other organisms will not increase to the same extent as, as the long chain, but they will probably act similar in, in the human body. And as Robin and other researchers say, products that contain short chain compounds might have to use more of them just to get the same result as the phased out versions. We reached out to the Fluorinated Industries Trade Association, the Floral Council, to get their perspective about shorter chain PFCs, but they declined an interview. So what are we as consumers to think? The C8 Science Panel was able to establish a probable link for PFOA to six health conditions. Given that PFCs are building up every day in the environment, should we be worried? Is this urgent? So I think it's almost the wrong question. That's Debbie Raffel, the director of San Francisco's Department of the Environment. Because I don't think any of us can answer that question, even the proponents. Nobody can really tell the world whether or not this is urgent or if it will become urgent. And so instead, the question I think is the right question for us to ask, because it's a question that we can actually answer today, is, is it necessary? Is it necessary to continue to be using these kinds of chemicals in commerce? Yes, they're legal. Are they safe? She says the only way to answer that question is more study. Lots of study, which invariably leads to paralysis by analysis. And you then can argue the science about how much is safe and how big is the problem and is it urgent, is it not urgent? Instead, she thinks we should be asking whether there's a safer alternative, but... Sometimes what happens with industry is they point to an alternative 
that appears to be better, but part of the reason it, it appears to be better is there's less study on it, more unknowns. And right. that's what you're seeing with these long chain versus short chains, is that the long chain have been studied enough, and so they're pointing to the short chain and saying, well, that's a better alternative. Even if it's not perfect, it's better. And that brings me to the larger question, and that's how we regulate chemicals in the first place. In the U.S., unlike Europe, we put them out there first and ask questions later. And it didn't used to be that way. United States was amazing. In the 1970s, we passed the Toxic Substances Control Act, affectionately known as TOSCA, and it was radical for its time. It came into being very close to the time that the EPA came into being, that the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act. There was a time in the 70s where the U.S. was very much at the cutting edge of protecting human health and the environment. But we've stagnated since then. Since the mid-1970s, Tosca hasn't changed at all. Reform measures are being considered in Congress, but most environmental groups oppose them as weakening regulation. So Europe's moved way ahead of us using something that's called the precautionary principle. And so they have their chemicals regulation process called REACH, Regulation, Evaluation, Authorization of Chemicals. And REACH has become the gold standard for how chemicals are regulated in the world. Europe is looking to regulate PFCs as a class, but the American way is one by one with each taking years of study. There are about 3,000 PFCs, so you can do the math. We could be waiting a very long time to learn the truth about these chemicals. It's hard for consumers to know what's in their products. I believe government has an obligation to make sure that even if you're not aware, you're not exposed. But we as consumers, don't we need to be part of the solution? I mean, we can make choices about what we buy, provided we get good information, of course. What's great about the American system is that the marketplace responds a lot faster than the legislative process. And so if consumers say, no, it's not necessary, no, it's not worth it, that will get companies to reformulate much faster than any amendments we could make to the Toxic Substances Control Act. No doubt chemicals are a part of modern life and we all benefit. No one is saying to get rid of PFCs altogether, but only use the ones that are absolutely essential and come clean about their impacts. That way we can all agree with DuPont, who famously sang their praises. Better things for better living through chemistry for the finer world we want. To go in-depth about PFCs and the research being conducted, visit our website at h2oradio.org where you'll find links and more information. For H2O Radio, I'm Franny Alprin. Better things for better living are coming still. That's the promise of you.